Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today we are talking about the languages of appreciation in the workplace. In fact, all week long we're talking about love. And what's love got to do with it? We're talking about all we need is love. That's the theme of the week. And, and why are we talking about love? What, what, what's love got to do with it? Uh, we're here to tell you, over the next three days, both Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, all three days, we're talking about how love makes an impact on those we touch each and every day. Today's conversation is going to be with Sue Wilson, CFO of Crown College in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota, right near Minneapolis. And we're going to talk today about the five languages of appreciation in the workplace and how Sue Wilson has had the opportunity to Im- implement using the strategies put forth in that book right there on the campus of Crown College in Minneapolis. Sue Wilson, great to have you on the show today. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. You say that at the beginning of the show. I'm hoping you feel that same way at the end of the show. <laughs> we'll see, won't we? <laughs> yes, we will. We will see. Some of my guests just leave. I don't know. They just I, I don't understand where they go. Okay, so in the interest of all my listeners, I want them to hear from you how Christ has impacted your life, because this show is, is all about people whose lives have been impacted by Christ and how they're affecting their workplaces. And, and we're encouraging them to go bold with their faith so, so that they all know where you're coming from. Share with everybody how your life's been impacted by Christ. And you said I only have an hour, right? You don't have an hour to give just this answer. You haven't, <laughs> that's correct. We'll take okay. the one-minute or two-minute answer. Well, quite honestly, I've been a Christian since I was a child, 
but I can say that I have been a Christ follower since I was a young adult. Um, I can't even imagine navigating through my life without Christ. Christ influences absolutely everything about the way I think and all the relationships that I have, both in the workplace, at home, with friends, with parents, with children. Uh, I, you know, the thing that I struggle with the most is um, giving up control of my life completely to Christ. There have been periods of times when I was trying to drive the bus, and, and he was just patiently sitting beside me, and there have been other times when he's driving, and those have been the times that I have felt uh, the closest to him and knowing that I am in his will and I am doing what I am supposed to be doing. I want to give him the reins back. You know, I, I think I'll, I'll sum that up with two things. When I am striving on my own, I am the farthest away from where God needs me and where God wants me. When I am abiding in Christ, I can literally feel him breathing into my days and speaking into my heart. Mm, Boy, if we could just stretch that out a little bit, that could make a whole show on its own. But that's not the topic for the week. But we're going to write that down. Striving versus abiding. I love that. That's going to be a topic of a future show. Stay tuned, listeners. Okay, listen. Have you always worked at a Christian college? Hmm, nope. Uh, Crown College is somewhere I've only been a year. I have uh, I spent majority of my career in the banking industry, and uh, so I've mostly worked for for-profit organizations. And which which do you find more fun? Okay, we're going to answer that question. Okay, so so you've been working in a nonprofit just for a little while. After working for uh, thirty years, in it wasn't it the banking industry. Yes. Okay. All right. Which did you? Which do you find easier? You, you spend time uh, at, at several different banks. Which, as I've as I've looked at your LinkedIn and as I as I know of your resume because we're friends, what? Um, where do you find it easier to apply these languages of five languages of appreciation? Was it easier in the banking industry or is it easier at Crown College? Hmm. I can honestly say that neither place is easy. Uh, this is not something that comes naturally uh, for for us. We actually have to work at it. But each industry has some unique challenges. Uh, the banking industry has some challenges that nonprofit higher education doesn't, and vice versa. Um, I think what I've learned the most is that I have to adapt my style and how I'm going to express my appreciation based on who the employees are. And when you're in a for-profit organization, they are driven much more by dollars and cents, and in some cases, uh, public recognition. Most people here at Crown College are here because they are missional about what they do. And you can't appreciate them in the same way. So I am learning to adapt what I've been doing to where I work now, and that hasn't been easy. Hmm. So you're saying it's not easy, you know, it's it's not a lot easier being a Christian and applying these five languages of appreciation in a Christian environment versus a non-Christian environment? So you're saying there's challenges to both? Oh, absolutely. What, what Just you because doing? you're working with Christians doesn't mean that we understand what appreciation is all about and how to express it. In fact, it, it builds in some other expectations that we actually have to fight through as well, because we expect Christians to act differently, and yet we are all sinners, and we all make mistakes, and we all have bad days, and it doesn't matter whether you're um, working for a Christian organization or a for-profit public or private company. 
Wow. Okay. Now, you just said things that everybody, not everybody knew. I mean, everybody always, I mean, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to go work for a Christian organization and it's going to be peachy keen. I know people don't even say that word anymore. I have no idea where they came from, but they're going to think this is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. I'm going to be with Christians every day. It's going to be like going to church every day, singing worship songs. But it's not like that. No, it's not. I mean, you know, this is a nonprofit Christian uh, college, but we still have to act like it's a business. We still have things we have to accomplish every day. There's still stresses. There are financial stresses. There's stresses about reaching the the correct number of students, getting the right programs done, getting your facilities up to speed. I mean, so we still have all the same stresses. We have people who are Christians that have a heart for God, that have a cart a ministry and mission-driven heart. But we all still make mistakes. We get angry. We get frustrated. And most of all, I'd like to... Um, just highlight that we all feel unappreciated at times. Okay, so before we get into why you read this book, first is a little little commercial for what kind of college is Crown College, and and how can people in Tampa Bay get involved? Sure. Uh, Crown is a small, uh, private higher education. We have four-year degrees. We have both an on-campus program as well as an online program, and they're both equal in size. We have about uh, 700 students in each program. The online program, if you uh, were to Google Christian online uh, degrees in Tampa Bay, I believe Crown College will show up on the list very top, uh, very close to the top of the list. We uh, have over 30 degree programs and we have, I believe, five master's degree programs available online at this point. And they're not all just mission-oriented or church-oriented. You've got business degrees, because I know I was looking on your website. Now, those business degrees are in, what, what is the emphasis on those business degrees? We actually uh, have just a regular business administration degree. We uh, also have uh, an MBA program, and we now have a nonprofit MBA program, so that if you want to have a focus in the nonprofit industry, but also want uh, to get a master's in business administration, you can get both. So if you haven't had enough schooling and you wanted to go back and get a master's degree, you could do it at Crown College. Can you do that all online, or does it have to be done on site? It is all online. So that's fantastic. So people in Tampa Bay, when they're really hot in the middle of summer, can go to classes online at Crown College in Minneapolis, and in the wintertime, when it's still hot here, they can go online to to college classes in Minneapolis and feel the coolness of the upper Midwest. We could only hope. (laughs) Okay. So you guys don't provide extra weather ideas. It's time for our weekly book highlight, one that I believe will deepen the impact Christ is making on your life and the lives that you touch each day. This section is sponsored by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. The highlight book today is The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, written by Gary Chapman. This book applies the love language concept to the workplace. This book helps supervisors and managers effectively communicate appreciation and encouragement to their employees, resulting in higher levels of job satisfaction, healthier relationships between managers and employees, and decreased cases of burnout. Understanding an individual's primary and secondary language of appreciation can assist managers and supervisors in communicating effectively to their team members. There's also a free inventory included with the book. This is a book you need to get, and you need to read the book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, we're back with Sue Wilson, CFO of Crown College in Minneapolis, talking about the five languages of appreciation. Sue, now you got that book. Did you get that book, Ed Karras Christian Books and Gifts? 
I actually did. That is fantastic. So you live in Minneapolis, but you've been to the bookstore here. That is unbelievable. Okay, so what prompted, how did God prompt you to read this book? Oh, I was in a very ugly place. Uh, It's not a place that I'm real proud of, but um, I'll be real honest. Uh, About five years ago, we were in the middle of the Great Recession, and I was working for a, a, a fairly new bank. We were less than 10 years old, and we were struggling, and it was draining the life out of me. And it seemed like the harder I worked, and the more that I wanted affirmation and confirmation and recognition from my boss, the less I actually received. And I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong, what possibly I could do differently. And at the same time that that was happening, I started to see that the people that reported directly to me were also my relationships with, with them were starting to fall apart. I was frustrated. I was struggling to stay positive. It was impacting my relationships all around me at work. I felt misunderstood. I also began to feel really stuck and trapped in my job, and I was angry. And I was walking through Kara's Christian Bookstore, and someone pointed this book out to me and said, you know, maybe this book would help you. And I looked at it, and I saw that it was written by Gary Chapman, and I had read his other book on the five love languages, and I thought, huh, maybe this book will help me, or maybe, you know, and the vindictive part of me said, well, maybe I can teach my boss how to appreciate me <laughs> maybe better. Maybe buy two copies, give him one, wrap it up. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Could you apply this, please? You know, so, I mean, I won't say that I read, saw the book and went, oh, this is going to be great for me. I was really, I went into it thinking that I was going to change the people around me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. That's good. So God, you know, backdoored you then is what you're saying. God back- absolutely, absolutely. God does that when we're when we're intending to do one thing. A lot of times he'll backdoor us because we he knows what's better for us than what we think. But it's kind of funny to hear you say that. Okay, so your biggest. I, I know we're going to go into the details of all the different languages here shortly. But I want to hear so that people stick around. I want to hear what was your biggest takeaway from the book. I don't just have one. Can I have three? Um, well, sure. You're the guest. Okay. All right. Um, one, I wanted to just say that it validated for me my need to feel appreciated because the book talks a lot about um, statistically, and they've done lots of research, that all of us need to feel appreciated. It also opened my eyes up to a whole new way of looking at my colleagues and my boss and my direct reports from looking at how to maybe recognize them to how to value them. And then the third thing would be that it really helped me to understand what my primary and secondary languages of appreciation were and what that means in the workplace and what I needed to change because of what those primary languages were. So what did you realize about yourself? What what was your primary appreciation language and your secondary appreciation language? My primary language is quality time, and we're going to get into, I think you're going to ask me to explain what that actually means a little bit later, and my second one is tangible gifts, and um, I've been a gift giver since I was a little kid, and I can tell you that quality time, spending time with people that are important to me has always been a highlight. It's what gives me energy. It's what, it's, it's my juice. All right, so you've been new in this job right now that you, you had just, just a little over a year. How have you, when you start, sometimes it's nice, you had, a fresh, you had a fresh template to work with. 
Well, let me just ask a question. When you you started applying it to the banking world during this Great Recession, which, by the way, is still going on down here. We're still coming out of it down here in Florida. How how did it impact your employees and your boss back at the bank? Well, first of all, I set a series of, of personal goals to kind of uncover what people's primary languages of appreciation were. And I kind of made it a game. It was kind of my personal challenge to be kind of a super sleuth to figure out um, how to show my appreciation in meaningful, personal ways. Wouldn't it have been uh, easier just to give them the test? Well, it would have been, but I, at that point I was pretty prideful, <laughs> and I didn't really want them to know what I was trying to accomplish, and it was my little secret. So um, in hindsight, yes, that it would have been a ton easier, but it wouldn't have been as fun. <laughs> <laughs> So let me guess you read Nancy Drew stories when you were growing up then, or what? Yeah, I did. Okay, all right. And so I liked the, them. the super sleuth thing was coming out. Okay, all right. <laughs> so that was the fun piece. That was my personal challenge. And what was the gift that I got back from that was when I was able actually to witness the results, whether it be tears, joy, some, sometimes it was like a woo. You know, smiles, um, those times when I was like, I hit the mark. And that was kind of the other side of it. Whereas if I had told people what I was doing and what I was trying to accomplish, I'm not sure I would have seen quite those same responses. Hmm. Maybe you would have, maybe not. So did it make a difference? Before you left the bank, did you feel like you had delved deeper and really were, were, were getting closer to those people and showing them appreciation? Did they know you appreciated them before you left? Absolutely, they did. Um, it was fun for me to see uh, my communications with my direct report improve. The trust level got deeper. There was a mutual respect uh, with other staff people and my colleagues. Um, it, it just changed the quality of my day. Uh, from dreading, you know, what my next encounter might be and how I might mess up the next time, um, to actually enjoying seeing if uh, God was touching them through me. And to me, it was evidence of uh, God redeeming me in that workplace. I will say that I never did successfully uh, get my boss to understand my primary um, language of appreciation, even though I came right out and told him and tried to explain to him, <laughs> it, it just, the more I told him, the more he withheld those particular languages from me. So it actually backfired with my boss, but um, my boss isn't a, wasn't a Christian, and um, I think that he struggled with the fact that I could, that I was trying to teach him something new. Mm, yes. Bosses don't aren't usually receptive to their subordinates teaching them something, even though you're supposed to hire people around you that know way more than you. So you're supposed to hire people that can teach you things, but somehow that gets lost in translation. All right. Before we come to the bottom of the half hour, I want you, you mentioned as we were getting prepped for this interview today that you want to talk about the difference between recognition and appreciation. So let's talk about that difference, the difference between recognition and appreciation. Well, first of all, most of us that are in the business world are very comfortable with recognition. And I'm talking about little spiffs, bonuses, the plaques you get, the the things that are very much a part of uh, corporate culture and mostly in larger companies. And we recognize something that someone did. It's based on their accomplishments. 
It's based on their performance. Appreciation is an entirely different thing because appreciation really focuses on the value of the individual. It recognizes who the person is, not what they do. And it, it recognizes the value that they provide to your company, your organization, your volunteer position, or whatever it happens to be. And there is a huge difference because so you're her, validating the person, not the act. So who they are, not what they do. I like that. Correct. Okay, so now these five languages of appreciation are words of affirmation, tangible gifts, quality time, acts of service, and appropriate physical touch. And yes, you have to put that words appropriate physical touch in there. Because in the family, the five love languages of family, which we're going to talk about tomorrow and how that applies in your home life, the physical touch thing you have to be a little more sensitive to because there's lawyers out there that love to you know accuse you that when you patted something on the back, you meant something else. So, okay, so I, I want to dig into that when we come back after the bottom of the half hour. But when you looked at bringing this into Crown College a year ago, and in, in, in the last minute before we're done at the bottom of the half hour, how did you approach this differently than you did when you went to the bank 11 years ago? Well, first of all, I made the misassumption that it would be easier because it's like, okay, we have something in common. Everybody that works here has made a statement of faith, and so we're all Christians. And so I started out with that misassumption that it would be easier. I quickly found out that, oh, it's really not that different than where I came from, and I have to navigate through the same kinds of things. So again, I made it a personal challenge for me to really spend time with everyone that was going to report directly to me and all the areas that I was going to influence in the organization. Hmm. And I needed to understand what they did and how they did. We're talking with Sue Wilson, CFO of Crown College in Minneapolis. And if you want to participate in today's discussion and ask Sue Wilson a question, you can call in the, into the studio, 855-265-2929. Don't worry, Sue, they'll be nice to you. Sue, welcome back to the show. Thank you. All right, so I'm reading an article about this, and it says that 89% of managers believe that employees leave for more money, while 11% of managers believe that employees leave for other reasons, when in fact... 12% of employees leave for financial reasons. 88%, that's right, percent leave for reasons other than money. And appreciation is right at the top of the list. 70% of people in the world say that they, in the United States, say they receive no praise or recognition or appreciation in the workplace. That's what this is all about, isn't it, Sue? Absolutely. And if, if business owners and people that are at the head of organizations truly understood what we were ju- what you were just saying and understood the cost that labor turnover has no. in their organizations they would be working a lot harder at finding how to really appreciate the staff that they have when you think of the staggering numbers that means of the turnover in your office now obviously there's some turnover where you know, if there's some people just, it's time to get them a seat on somebody else's bus. But for the most part, turnover is the result of a poor manager. Most of the time you can, if you have to fire somebody, most of the time it's because of management has been lacking of that person. And if 88% of those people that leave, it's because they, they fail to get praise or recognition or appreciation in the workplace, all three of which are very different, then we could save a lot of people. 
and also make our lives a lot simpler if we weren't having to change jobs all the time. We just need to know we're appreciated. All right, so, Sue, let's dig into the book some more. All right, remember what you said. You said the difference, you know, recognition is, is praising what people do, but appreciation is 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 really taking advantage of looking at who they are and appreciating who they are, not just what they do. Absolutely. All right, so we have, we have five different uh, languages of appreciation. Words of affirmation, tangible gifts, quality time, access service, and appropriate physical touch. All right, start me off with words of affirmation. What are these all about? Well, this would be one that I think you'll find most common. It's one of the ones that's easier for people to do. It is using your verbal skills to affirm a positive characteristics about a person. Um, but it needs to be specific, and it shouldn't be just about an accomplishment. It should affirm their character as an individual, the inner nature of who that person are, is. Uh, words of appreciation focus on the positive personality traits. Um, this can be done in a number of settings. The one that most people are comfortable in is that one-on-one. So I'm having a conversation with you, Jim, and I say, Jim, you know, You've been on this radio show for quite a while now, and I see that you've made tons of improvements in the way you're introducing your guests and the people that you have advertising during your show and the subject matters that you're covering. You know, I'm really pleased with what you're doing, and what I'm most pleased with is your genuineness and how you truly are on fire for God and that you are trying to change the workplace. That is just incredible and I am so proud of you and what you're doing. That is personal, it's direct, it's meaningful to you, it's specific to you, and it's not a attaboy. It's not a good job. It's not one of those general things. Now, most of us can do that one-on-one if we think about it. Some people need that kind of affirmation to be done in a small group. So you may be a person that needs to hear that in in front of a couple of your peers in order for that affirmation to be meaningful. Or you might be someone who needs to see it, needs to have that heard in front of an entire group at a, an employee meeting where it's a public affirmation. The fourth way, and the one that I think is, is fun to play with, and I've seen some real fabulous results on this, is written affirmation. Sometimes it's an email Sometimes it's a card. Sometimes it's just a short note on a post-it note. But I can tell you that um, I make personalized cards, and they're very pretty to receive, and they're fun. And not only is it meaningful that I took the time to make the card, but that I took time to send them a note about something that they had done or um, a project they were a part of, and I know how hard they had worked at it and the great results that they received. And I can tell you that I have one uh, lady from the banking organization that I used to work for that came in to me, and she says, you know, I have saved every one of those cards that you gave me. And that, and that means that it really, really touched her. And I think what's also important to note about people who's, who their number one appreciation language, or you want to call it their love language, the number one appreciation language is words of affirmation. Those people absolutely get devastated with critical words. Those people absolutely get destroyed, especially with public, publicly uh, negative words. Those people, are they, 
you know, you have to be very careful with how you criticize people who words of affirmation build them up because those critical words absolutely destroy them. Yep, and the other thing that can really miss the mark with someone whose primary language is words of affirmation is if those comments are just too general. Uh, Like, you know, you did a great job on that. That's not what they need to hear. That's not really a word of affirmation for them. It needs to be specific to them. Right. And needs to be personal. Okay, so that's words of affirmation. It gives people a good idea, something very specific about who they are and the impact that they are making, something very specific. And a written note is super nice. Written notes in today's world are so lost, it's so appreciated in today's world. All right, we got to move on. Tangible gifts. Okay, this is a fun one for me. Um, because I love to give gifts, and I've always loved to give gifts. But someone whose primary language is tangible gifts, they like to show like to show appreciation to others that way, but they more like to receive gifts as a way to show them that you truly appreciate them. And it needs to have personal value to them. So if I give you a gift card to Caribou Coffee, which is a <laughs> coffee place here in, in Minnesota... You know, well, if you gave me that gift card, it would be really frustrating. Yeah, it would be frustrating to you because you don't live here. Second of all, it would be frustrating because I think you told me you don't like coffee. <laughs> so, you know, Do they serve Mountain Dew at Caribou Coffee? No. Uh, yeah, well, then it would be a waste of money. Yeah. But if I also send you tickets to the ballet, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would be even worse. Swan Lake is my favorite. That- yes, <laughs> Swan Lake is my favorite. I especially like the guys running around in tight ballet outfits as well. Uh, okay. My point is, uh, okay. it has to be something that would be meaningful to the person that you're giving it to. If they like to go to, to um, athletic events, then that's what you should be doing. If it's something that they like to go out to eat, if they like to shop, give them a gift card to go shopping. Well, I, I just um, like to give you an idea. I know gifts is not really my number one, but if you wanted to send me a couple of tickets to the next Twins game in Minneapolis at Target Field, along with the money for the plane tickets, I would be happy to accept them because that would be a meaningful gift to me. Okay. I'll remember that. Very, I'll remember that. Very specifically. All right, so people, usually gift, people that tangible gifts, tangible gifts is their language is usually a little more obvious because they are always giving gifts to people. They're always doing nice little things for people. That is true. Now, but isn't it also true with the tangible gifts that it's not the value of the gift, it's the thought that counts. It doesn't have to be an expensive gift. It's the appropriateness, the thoughtfulness in it that really makes the impact. That is absolutely correct, because it doesn't have to be a $50 gift card or a $50 ticket. It can be something very small, as long as you know it hits the mark with what's important to that person. So if they like to, if there's a certain kind of music that they like, or they like to read a certain kind of book, you can get them a paperback book. I have done that uh, where the person that I supervised was in charge of customer service, and I found a book that I thought was very good, and I brought it in, and I said, you know, I saw this when I was out shopping, and I thought that, I thought of you, and I thought you might enjoy reading it, and so it was even work-related, and she still thought that was awesome, <laughs> okay. because it was something that was specific to her, and I thought about her and thought to do something. All right, we're we're not going to get through all these. We got to we got to got to move on Sorry. to the next one. That's no, okay. <laughs> quality time, quality time. Now, uh, I understand quality time from a personal standpoint. For me, quality time is my number one love language. It's my number one, and and I believe it is in my workplace too because it. I know that somebody really wants to listen to me. 
if they'll give me their time, if they'll make time to talk to me on the phone, if they'll actually return my phone call, if they'll make time to sit with me in my office, if they'll work with me on a project to a common goal, they'll come along and help me. That's quality time to me. It shows people that they care because I have got their presence. And I, the opposite of that is I know that they don't care at all about the quality time of me if they're sitting in front of me like i do i've done some one-to-ones that get networking with some people and i'm having a conversation talking to them about their business they're talking about my business and they're sitting there answering emails behind their desk and answering um text messages on their phone that is the biggest rudeness to somebody who's quality of time well, this is something you and I would share because quality time is my number one as well. And I had a boss that I got one hour with him per week, and during that hour he would bop up and down out of the chair. He would answer his regular phone. He would answer his cell phone. He would look at emails. He would run out of the room to grab something. And so it was the most deflating hour of my week because I always looked forward to it. But at the same time, by the end, I was totally frustrated because I never got his personal attention and so that would be what i would say about quality time is it's got to be quality conversation personal attention and you have to be empathetically listening which means maintaining eye contact not doing other things while you're listening listening for the feelings as well as the thoughts behind them affirming them and don't interrupt them and I also need to point out that I found some people like this in a one-on-one some prefer a small group. Others um, would prefer that you spend quality time doing an activity, a project side-by-side, like Feed My Starving Children or a volunteer activity of some sort. Or they may the most meaningful thing might be going to a game or some kind of a show or even um, a business-related meeting together. All right, we've got two left, acts of service and appropriate physical touch, but I want to just drop the bomb on everybody out here. We've been having a very comfortable conversation, and people just need to know, Sue Wilson is my sister. Sue Wilson is my sister. She has been my sister, in fact, all of my life. She's my older (laughs) sister, just for the record. But I didn't want people to discount the incredible wealth of knowledge that my sister has just because she's my sister because people are like, oh, it's a sister. My sister is awesome. She's got so much incredible experience, and I couldn't wait to bring her on the show to talk about this because this is something that God used to impact her life in a huge way. And I'm going to bring her back a lot because I absolutely love my sister. I only have one, and I think she's awesome. So Sue Wilson, I appreciate you, sister. You've done such a great job on the show today. Let's finish up our conversation. I love you, too, by the way. Oh, now I'm going to cry. I can't do that in the air. Okay. (laughs) All right. Acts of service. Describe for me acts of service and how that applies in a workplace. Simply put, it's don't tell me you care. Show me. It's providing assistance to a coworker or a subordinate. It could be work-related. It could be non-work-related. If someone is having a crisis in their home life, At work, you can pull an extra shift for them, give up some of your PTO or vacation time for them, you can cook meals for them, or you can volunteer to do a portion of their job. But you always need to ask before you offer that help, because don't assume that everybody wants to have help, because if acts of service are not their love language, that's totally the wrong thing to do. Right. They're going to think that you're interfering. They're going to think you're trying to get in their turf. They're going to think that you're uh, uh, trying to you know, impress the boss or, or do something. They're, they're not going to understand that you're just trying to help. Right. 
Absolutely. Hmm. So how have you seen this put into practice in, in, in work? This is, a, this is my hardest one, and it's not because I don't like to help people, but it's because I have a super busy job. Uh, I have a job that... <laughs> That's like saying the Pope is just mostly Catholic. Yeah. Because you're uh, wicked busy. <laughs> I have IT and finance and HR and food service and operations and facilities, and so I get pulled many different ways during the day. So for me to volunteer to help someone else is hard to do. So what I try to do is to find ways to offer to assist them get a project started or to check in with them and say if you get stuck please let me know because I'll sit down with you and spend some time so I offer my my acts of service are more to help versus rescue um, because I don't have time to take on somebody else's project. Well, and I think for me where it came to is, I, you know, I love helping people. I, I love seeing an endgame. I love seeing a clean desk at the end of the day, um, which is something that, you know, our mother obviously didn't thrive on. Sorry, Mom, I know you're listening today. But I love seeing a clean desk at the end of the day. And so I wanted to – I love to help people have that same – Impact and so, if it, but that's what always got me into the working too much because I wanted to get I wanted to get everything clean up my desk before I went home, and so I would go and help other people, and then I'd come back to my own desk and I'm like, oh, I still have my own work to do. So, how do you balance that acts of service thing in helping other people? Well, first of all, you need to make sure that you're get, getting your own work done first, because it's, otherwise it's kind of counterproductive. Also, you need to make sure that you check your motivation, your attitude between you know why are you offering to help. And second of all, you need to make sure that it's welcome on the other side. I happen to have a, a direct report uh, when I was in the banking industry who loved acts of service. And so I usually would check in with her the day before a vacation or a day that she was going to have off or if I knew she had a sick kid at home. And I'd say, you know, I know you want to get out of here early today or you're trying to get everything done before. You. Is there anything small that I can pick up that will help you? And she almost always said yes and gave me something and appreciated it greatly. So, you know, you have to take those clues of what's going on in at other people's desks and what do they have on both their personal plate and their professional plate and is there something that you can can do and you can actually handle and get completed cuz don't start something if you can't finish it. Right, because so that's frustrating. Too. Right. Yeah. Now, but acts of service isn't your number one. However, if I flew up there this weekend to help you move, you'd appreciate that, though, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. I yeah, would. Come get, on down. You know, it's up, and there's, up. Way, there's, do, there's too many bugs. There's too many bugs. You guys, have, you got too many bugs. There's no bugs here in Florida. They crawl on the ground. They don't fly through the air. Okay. Big bugs. We have monstrous bugs, but they don't fly at you. Okay. All right. Appropriate physical touch. Now, let's just lay this out. You know, in... In a marriage relationship, and a family relationship, it's okay to hug. It's okay to put your arm around somebody. It's okay to touch them on the arm. In a workplace, those kinds of actions can be misinterpreted. And so it's very important, though there are some many people that that touch is is very important to them. I've got a, a, a good friend um, who I am involved in mentoring him in his, in his business. In fact, he's been on the show many times, Robert Smith. His number one is physical touch. He loves to hug people. And I have to remind him, you can't hug everybody in the workplace. It's just not. And he's always wanted to you know, pat you on the shoulder. But there are some people that would absolutely freak them out of their gourd and cause their hair to fall out and they'd look like me. <laughs> I'm not even going to comment on that, but I will comment on well, you knew What, just because you knew me when I had hair? That's right. That's right. Okay. So let's let's talk about... 
what appropriate physical touch really is. And I'm going to go to a more basic uh, fundamental of human behavior. Physical touch is proven, the research is there, that it is fundamental to our development from the age of birth till the moment you die. That physical touch of a newborn, physical touch related to a person who is in their last breath, that that is the most meaningful way to connect with that person or that baby. So to ignore physical touch is wrong. And I think that's what the author is actually trying to tell us is, yeah, we live in a, um, a society that lawyers love this particular issue and there's always claims of sexual harassment, but there are ways to have healthy, physical, appropriate physical touch in the workplace. And it depends on the person. It depends on the work relationship. It depends on the organizational culture. But I've seen it in, in banking organizations. I've seen it in nonprofits. I've seen it in uh, public accounting, which is where I started my career. Um, you mean accountants can hug? Yes, they can. Wow. We can celebrate. Okay, so here's the question I've got to ask you. Okay, we've talked about these five languages of appreciation in the workplace. Words of affirmation, tangible gifts, quality time, access service, and appropriate physical touch. What kind of advice would you give that business owner? Very, very shortly, quick advice. What would you give them to say, here's how I would approach this? I would tell you that the investment that you make in understanding the five languages of appreciation in the workplace will come back to you tenfold. That um, the key to having a staff that is healthy, that is emotionally where they need to be and productive, and uh, you'll have their loyalty, you'll have longevity, that it's worth the investment and it's worth the time to do the inventory first for yourself, understand yourself first, and then start applying the principles to the rest of the people in your workplace. All right. Now, as we start to close out the show, Sue, I want you to especially listen to this first readout because I'd like to invite you and all your friends at Crown College, your married friends, to come out on the I Work For Him cruise that's coming up in February because I know for a fact, having lived in Minneapolis for 30 years, that the weather stinks in February. It's always cold and miserable. So, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, picture this, if you will. The sun is shining and the clear blue ocean waves are passing by as the Royal Caribbean Brilliance of the Seas cruise ship sails between Tampa and Cozumel. You can almost smell the salt air now. That's not salt air coming off the highways in Minneapolis. We're talking about the salt air from the Gulf as we talk about our plans for the upcoming second annual Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage Retreat. Sponsored by I Work For Him. On February 5th through the 9th, 2015, that will be a time when you and your spouse can get away to invest in your marriage. No dishes to do, no sporting events to attend, no cell phones to answer. That's the best part. Just a few, no, it's not the best part. Just a few days together in a beautiful environment with purposeful discussions on ways to make your marriage strong, as well as plenty of time for those private discussions and alone time built right on the agenda. Plan now to join us for this much-anticipated retreat. Find out all the details on our website, iWorkForHim.com, iWorkForHim.com. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. 